heaven? No. It's Iowa. So, Eric, I'm told that you're a Vikings fan. I don't, I don't want to talk about that right now. I don't want to talk about that. Well, this is my daughter we're talking about, Eric. You're a Vikings fan around my daughter. I, I'm trying to quit. I, I mean, I'm going to quit. I'm, I'm going to quit. I, I swear, I'll quit being a Vikings fan. Why, why do field goal kickers keep missing kicks for the Vikings, Eric? I, I just don't know. I just sat there. I was froze. I, I couldn't do anything. I just watched him miss it. <laughs> Why did they put Blair Walsh out there? Why? Zimmer, I, I don't know what he was thinking. What? He just he wasn't going to make it. They always miss it. Now sink into the floor. Wait, 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 wait. Now you're in the sunken place for a discussion of Get Out on the Pod of Dreams. You got your toothbrush? Check. Do you have your deodorant? Check. Do you have your cozy clothes? Got that. Do they know I'm black? Should they? You might wanna, you know. Mom and Dad, my black boyfriend will be coming up this weekend. I just don't want you to be shocked, but he's a black man. <laughs> I ain't never seen you like this before, bro. Meeting families, taking road trips. Don't come back all bougie, man. Come back, get your damn pants up to your damn stomach. <laughs> <laughs> So you guys coming up from the city? Yeah, we're just heading up for the weekend. Can I see your license, please? He wasn't driving. I didn't ask who was driving. I asked to see his ID. Call me Dean and you're hungry, my man. So how long has this been going on, this, this thing? <laughs> <laughs> we hired Georgina and Walter to help care for my parents. When they died, I couldn't bear to let them go. smoke in front of my daughter i'm gonna quit she'd take care of that for you how hypnosis i'm good actually you ready for this i'm back in the beat so look i go do my research apparently a whole bunch of brothers been missing in this suburb but it's cool bro how you not scared of this man couldn't see no brother around here chris was just telling me how he felt much more comfortable with my being here Get out. Sorry, man. Get out! Yo! Rose, we gotta go. Is everything okay? Rose, the keys. Just get the keys. I don't know where they are. Rose! Sink into the floor. Wait, 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 wait. Sink. All right. Well, thank you so much, for everybody, for listening. Thanks for joining. Uh, we're doing Get Out this week on the Pod of Dreams uh i got to pick this episode it was my pick this this week and i picked get out mainly because he uh jordan peele's got a new movie coming out nope it comes out i think in the end of july and i'm just a gigantic fan of his his movies this creativity the originality of his films and i'm super excited to see nope i hadn't watched get out in a really long time and uh wanted to revisit it so it came out in 2017 it was his directorial debut, and uh, did you see this in the theater, Ben? Oh, yeah. So I was going to say, I, you had a tweet 
or a retweet or something a long time ago where you were like, name a director whose movie you want to see regardless, you know, like whatever comes out, you just want to see. And Jordan Peele's absolutely in that camp. Whatever he would have done for his third movie, I would want to see. I certainly want to see Nope and whatever he would have chose to. I'm very much interested in, in seeing the next things he's going to do. Uh, yeah, I saw it in 2017 and I loved it then. I actually was kind of dreading watching it again, not because the movie's bad, but because I just feel really bad for his character. And I wasn't looking forward to see him, this this horrific thing almost happen to him a second time. But I mean, no, I, I loved it. I was I was hooked from Get Out. Um, Us was also really, really good. Uh, super interesting. So very much looking forward to yeah, revisiting his, his first movie. Um, despite the fact that, yeah, I, I feel really bad for protagonist. So I think it's important. So you saw it the one time in the theater and this is the second That's time it. you see it. Correct. Okay. Oh yeah. And, and, and in hindsight, I'm glad I watched it a second time. It's a different, way different experience, but it, still just, really good. That's what I was going to say. It's, it's one of those movies, like the first time you watch it, there's so many sort of hidden things that you don't catch because they're intentionally hidden. And then right. once, once the sort of big reveal happens, then you're like, Oh man, you want to go back and kind of rewatch it to pick out all that stuff. And I think it rewards, it's rewarding to, to do that. Um, it was kind of interesting because in preparation for this, I watched the trailer and the trailer kind of gives away a lot of the movie, which I don't remember when I saw it. I don't remember having knowledge of all of that stuff. Like in the trailer, it's, clear that the dad is like a bad guy and the brother is a bad guy. But when I first saw this movie, I don't remember thinking that I don't remember knowing that their family was bad until obviously there's the big reveal that they are spoiler alert. Um, but do you remember like, like did you know what this movie was about or what was going to happen in it when you first saw it? Not exactly. I mean, I knew that there was menace from the family. Like, I didn't go in thinking, man, these white people are going to be great and awesome people. I assumed there was something dark and unpleasant that was going to happen. But the specific mechanics, I had no clue. But, like, certainly Rose, the girlfriend, I did not know her deal until it happened the first time I saw it. I was like, whoa, did not see that coming. The movie goes out of its way to make her be on the protagonist's side for most of the movie. So you really, it is kind of a shock until the big reveal that she's also in on the horror. Because, I mean, like, there's that scene with the cop where she's really, really sticking it to a cop um, to show that she's not racist. And then you think, oh, okay. Um, And it is until the very, very end. But see, that's definitely what I want to get into because that's the part where it's rewarding because there are so many of those scenes in this movie where... It's and it's the brilliance of the screenwriting. He won best best original screenplay because I think it's so so amazing. Like, but that scene in particular. So they're driving to meet her parents. He's a black man. She's a white woman, and the whole movie's kind of you know geared towards the dynamics of that relationship of a black man and that racial tension. It's like and here's an old reference. It's a movie called Guess Who's Coming to Dinner in the '60s with Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy and Sidney Poitier, where a white woman brings a black man to her parents who are these nice white liberals and are confronted with their own racial, racial prejudices and, and hangups about race that they didn't think they have. And so it's kind of like the setup, right? We see them going, um, we think, Oh, there's racial anxiety happening. But in Uh, every scene, even like the first scene where you're introduced to them and Chris calls his buddy, there's so much racial tension there because he's telling him, like, don't don't go to this white woman's family. And then they have this discussion where he's like, did you tell them I'm black? And she's right. like, no, why should I? What does that matter? And he's like, it, it does matter because it does. You know what I mean? And Right. Obviously it does. Yeah. 
But it's also like when you see it the second time, it's because she she's tricking him to come to the house because they're going to do this brain swap auction thing. Um, but the the cop scene in particular was the one I wanted to talk about because like what I noticed this time too when, when you're watching it. So yes, the cop pulls them over or the cop arrives because they hit a deer and that she calls the cops and he takes her ID. She's the one driving and then he wants Chris's ID. And the the Rose is like, why? He wasn't driving. Why do you want his ID? And Chris is like, I, I understand. Like, here's my state ID. And she's like, no, no, that's bullshit. He, he wasn't driving. You only want his ID because he's black. And and that's and then you kind of like her because she stood up and he likes her too. And you're like, hell yeah, that's bullshit. A cop shouldn't need his ID. He wasn't driving. But like when you watch it the second time, it's because she didn't want him in the report because they're going to kill him and take his body. So like to twist that and have it seem like this sort of powerful, you know, white woman standing up for her black boyfriend is actually just her being a, a maniac and not wanting the cops to have any evidence that this guy was ever there. That's just, it's amazing. There's so many scenes like that, but that one in particular just blew my mind. Well, yeah. And then the, the racial stuff starts even earlier. I mean, we see Lockheed walking around trying to find, he's in the middle of some super white suburb with a bunch of obnoxious, you know, address. I live in one, right. I, they, they have really obnoxious names and place and drive and circle and the houses can all look the same. And he's like, man, I fish out of water here. Like I, I really don't fit in. And he's super uncomfortable situation. White people probably don't think twice about for him. It's like really, really uncomfortable when we see him get grabbed out of the street. Um, and we're going to see his character later on. Um, no, there's a ton of that little stuff. And this is the thing, I guess if nobody's, if you haven't seen Get Out, watch it, it'll work. First we watch it for me, at least it worked just as an incredible thriller. I mean, there's a lot going on. You could see that, but it's just seeing what happens, the tension as the plot unfurls, the twist. It's like if M. Night Shyamalan was actually clever and a good filmmaker. It's he really, is. really like, six sense incredible movie, but we don't have to argue. Okay. That. We can talk about M. Night some other time, um, but it's great. It, it's very engaging, crowd pleasing, satisfying, scary, tense, all these things you want from a thrill. And it worked. And it didn't work like that as much the second time because you know how it's going to play out. But then you can notice all these things and the depth of the commentary and the the screenplay and the dialogue and how everything fits together to form this really, really visceral and devastating metaphor of like the entertainment industry and um, the way racism works and all sorts of really, really interesting things come back. Because I, um, yeah, I don't think I, I pieced together, this is something I probably should have, but the grandpa character apparently lost to Jesse Owens in like the 1930s to go to the Olympics. And we later learn that he's subsumed the body of some black man. We don't know his name. Who's apparently really fast. He's just reveling in how fast this guy, this guy's body. Um, like, Oh yeah, there's just one little line of dialogue. From Bradley Whitford, but there's a ton of character development that goes right in there of subtext seethering racial resentment from one of the characters it's never overtly expressed elsewhere uh, no i yeah i agree lots of little things all the time that tied together to form a really really full picture for what's going on here yeah and it's just like just about every scene you're sort of questioning racial dynamics between white and black people and I, yeah, obviously that was the point of it i mean he, he's trying to push people to yeah and it's, so it's a horror movie but what's scary is, you know, being a, I mean, w- the way I see it is 
you're you're feeling the fear of a black man being surrounded by white white people. Yes. And how yes. scary that that can be. One in like just a neighborhood. You know, you think of like Trayvon Martin who was killed just because he was a <clears throat> a black person in a white neighborhood. And like I think that that fear of just like being a black person surrounded by white people is something you get really feel sort of uh, it's palpable throughout m- almost the entire movie. And that's really what's scary about, which is again, like for, I'm a white person. Like I, I don't know what that's like, but you feel it through this movie. And I think it's really the brilliance of it. Oh, it is. And, and he knows like at a minimum, there's all sorts of reasons why he's anxious, but he knows at a minimum, he's going to experience some like low grade racism constantly. Yeah. Like when what, how long has this thing been going on? Like that whole, like that's a racist thing to say to a, a black person. You only would say that to a black person. Like that's racist. But it's like a micro. Those are sort of micro racism. Microaggression is a word people yeah. use, and he just knows like okay, like that's the best case scenario is that I have to deal with this and just tolerate this, and it's it's work to just not you know he can't get angry because that then he's playing into a racial but stereotype. Then like and Rose he's gets cool mad. Rose gets mad and he's like, he has to calm her down. Like this is, this is what it's like being a black person. Like he's telling her like, this is okay. Like I, this is, I have to deal with this, you know, which is like sadly probably uh, true. I mean, that's what Jordan Peele's writing from his own experiences. I imagine. Oh, I think so. I mean, and the whole thing's a metaphor for basically like the entertainment industry writ large. I mean, and athletics and just the entire, I, I don't know. Yeah. Entertainment economy. I don't know what you'd call it, but I mean, like Keith's character is a, you know, jazz musician. Uh, you know, we've got main character is a, you know, well-known photographer, well enough known that some big industry head guy knows him. Uh, Rose, uh, Rose is looking for uh, her next target. Uh, yeah, maybe we should, if anybody's listening that doesn't know, this is their weird grift um, that they do. They've been doing this for a while. They find young, talented black people mostly it seems to be men but there there's at least there was a woman in that picture yeah i mean we know for sure the the mom yeah yeah the the, the mom yeah they're the grandma yeah they have this ability where they the mom of this white family in in some lake in the middle of nowhere hypnotizes them it's rural new york they're in like rural rural new york yeah okay and then he's and then the father's a neurosurgeon and so he's able to take the brain from a white person and graft it onto or put their consciousness onto the black person's brain. And they basically drive the black person doesn't totally die. They go into this like subterranean sunken place, sub- subconscious place. They call it sunken place. And then they, it's like they're, they're draw, They're watching just kind of like um, being John Malkovich. If you see John yeah, Malkovich at the end of that for movie, sure. yeah, for very, sure. very, a similar kind of fate, even with the, uh, like sort of the rotoscope or periscope view of the, like what you see, even down yeah. to that. Yeah. Yeah. A very, very yeah, similar idea. And all these rich white people show up uh, over a weekend. They interview the main characters, Chris, but it's a, it's a different person that's done it a bunch of times. And then they have what is functionally a slave auction. But so, uh, sorry, just you no, certainly continue. But that scene, the party scene, is another one of those where, like, the first time you see it, it feels like Chris, surrounded by white people, is experiencing all these racist things. Like he's talking Tiger Woods, right? Like he's got the best of both worlds. He's you know black, but they're making all these comments. It's like you'd only say that to a black guy, right? And the one guy's feeling his arms up and like, wow, with your physique and like. 
you're seeing that for the first time like man that's racist there's a lot of racism but what really is happening is they're like window shopping you know what i mean they're all like feeling yeah, it's like even worse this, it's might even be, worse right it's even worse than that but it, the first time you see it, you have no idea that that's what's happening no you find out later like rachel rose rose takes him for a walk and then they use these bingo cards to have an auction where you know whoever wants them can have them uh, and they, they end up they get to have their body control them and, and the metaphor, I mean, I find myself caring way less about the actual mechanics. And I think Dreamfield does just the right amount of time spent on the mechanics of how this process works. Yeah. Just to the exact right amount. Because if you spent more time, it would really crumble because it doesn't really make a ton of sense. There's stuff like the thing that bothered me the first time I watched this movie was the fact that flash photography undoes it. Um, it doesn't bother me so much the second time. I, I also, on a certain level, it's like documenting. If you document it, you can acknowledge it and anticipate it. Um, but the metaphor still works really, really well. We get just the right amount of how it works. Um, but the, the metaphor is, is just insane because it's literally, we got a guy from, you know, it's, it's sports, it's sex, it's anything. It's just these British people are saying, how are they going to exploit this man's body? It's his body, not his mind. They want, um, they want his body for how, for how it can help them make money. This is, what Hollywood does. This is what but sports does. Inter- another interesting aspect of that is like Stephen Root didn't care at all. He wasn't racist, right? He didn't care that Chris was black, but he's participating in this racist system just because he's getting what he needs. You know what I mean? Which I think is also yeah, benefits. A, that's yes. a second layer of like, I'm not racist, but I benefit from racism. And like, I don't care at that point. He doesn't stop it. He He, he actively benefits from it. No, it's right. It's a very capitalistic thing. Like, this is going to help me achieve my goals. He just needed he eyes. He needed to see. That's all he cared right. about. He didn't and, care and, that they're killing black people and taking their lives. He just needed yeah, to if see. If it was a white person, he wouldn't have cared either. But right. it just happens to be that, for all kinds of reasons, these are black people that are being exploited. Um, and then, yeah, it just benefits him. No, it's, it's, it's a very capitalistic thing. This is where the entertainment industry comes in. Because the entertainment industry is capital. They don't care. They will put anybody in movies that will they think will make the money. They don't actually ultimately care. Um, and if it's beneficial for them to exploit black people, they will. Um, so, I mean, that that just rings true the whole way. And then the horror uh, is just, it just deepens and deepens. I mean, you just finally realize, oh, okay. He's about to just have to be a passenger in his own body for the rest of his life while some old dude drives. It's like That's one of the more, most horrifying things. I mean, you see a lot of movies, the horrors that somebody will kill you which sucks. There's a certain kind of horror there, but the idea that somebody would take my consciousness and force me to just watch as they take over, that feels a lot more horrifying in a lot of ways than simply ceasing to exist. Um, to me, I don't know how you feel about it, but that, that's where the, ter- it's just, it, it's really, really palpable. Yeah. Uh, I mean, is, is this like a psychological horror movie? You know I mean? It's not, it's not really scary. Like in the general sense of like horror films, there is a bit of the slasher stuff at the end of the movie. Yeah, that yeah, he gives us the crowd pleasing stuff, which I'm glad he did. Um, it would have been tough if he took the very cynical route and we just see Chris get uh, transformed. Um, well, we can we have to talk about the ending because I, I I I read some stuff about that. We can definitely get into the ending. Oh, we will. Um, he had a he had a darker version, and I right. remember exactly what I thought in the theater was going to happen. When it when it did, I you know I didn't have to worry about that this time. Um, but no, and I I, I I watched this on Amazon Prime, and they it said there was an alternate ending included. I couldn't figure out how to watch it. I wanted to see the alternate ending this time, 
Uh, I couldn't figure out how to make it work via Amazon Prime, but you can YouTube it. I, I it's on my ver. I bought it. I bought it on Vudu, and it's on my version with his audio commentary, which is actually pretty interesting too. Um, but I, we could talk about it now. Might as well. We're already dancing around it. Sure. So it, the way the movie ends, for if you haven't seen it or if you just want to be reminded, um, Chris, you know, he gets captured. They're about to do the brain swap. He gets out, breaks out, basically kills the whole family. Rose chases after him. The reveal where Rose, where you find out that she's actually bad, I think is pretty cool. Did you know she was bad before that? Before she, he's like, give me the keys, Rose, give me the keys. And she's like, you know, I can't. Before I that scene. somewhere. I, it, was, it, it wasn't right. It was I said, when she took two. Well, no, not before the picture. Um, I don't think she seemed to be on a side. The movie when, does a really when good job Chris of hiding finds, cards. When Chris finds her notebook with the other pictures of other black people, the black men, and then there's the obviously the two that are her grandparents, then you're like, whoa, wait a second. This is really weird. Um, you know that they're obviously trying to get Chris, but you you didn't know she was in on it until I, I thought at that moment is like, oh, she's got to be in on it. Right. But, well, yeah. When you see the picture, yes, that was the implication. But you could think like she was just lying to him. She had dated other guys or whatever, or that she was not innocent in the whole thing that she was. Because I think there's there was some discussion is like, did people think she was forced to do that and I, Jordan Peele's like nah she's evil like there's she's awful she's a terrible they're a weird cult they're a weird yeah. cult I mean we don't know a ton about it but apparently there's some like there's a weird religious we are gods that are trying to achieve immortality thing going on also yeah. as part of it and she's but, just been indoctrinated right. like everybody else yeah she's supposed to be pure evil yeah. um, so so basically Chris kills them all and at, at the very end he's trying to run away from the compound and the police show up cop cars show up and in the original ending they are just arrest him the cops arrest him they think he killed all these white people and he's just in prison his buddy comes and is like hey i tried there's nothing we can do and it just like ends with him in prison basically convicted for the murder of all these people which is super fucking dark but like you know when you see the cops pull up you're like oh shit they're gonna think he did it it's a black guy. All these white people are dead. He's a sort of a stranger. They don't know him. Yeah, and and I'll paint even a finer picture than that because he's killed Bradley Whitford, the dad, Catherine Keener, the mom. Uh, there's a, a douchey older brother character that gets killed as well. Rose is left, and then Rose's two grandparents, who have already subsumed the bodies of two young black people. Um, the grandma's died in, in a car accident or is in really bad shape, um, and. He uses flash photography to get the grandpa, the real body That's underneath right. to take control and shoot Rose. And then that guy shoots himself. And Rose has got a shotgun when she's laying down on the ground. And Chris is justifiably really pissed at what she has done to him. He gets on top of her. Um, she's kind of like pleading or trying to pretend like she still loves him in a you know last ditch hope to survive. And he starts choking her. And... She kind of has a blank expression and then slowly a smile creeps on her face. We see it just start to rise and he pulls his hands up and then it reveals like, oh, there's a cop car coming. She sees the cop car and knows he's screwed because no cop in the world is going to see a black man on top of a white woman strangling her and think anything but he's a monster and certainly not going to believe all this crazy body swap stuff that would come out of his mouth. Um, but the movie, the theatrical release spares us the horror of him spending life in jail for doing something that would be objectively like a moral good. Um, because it turns out it's his buddy, Lil, Lil Ray, um, who works at the TSA 
and he came and he saved him. Um, and the fact that there was no record of him being there ends up working to his benefit. He's you know, presumably able to get away with. But interesting happened. in the like I said in in the version I saw, there's a commentary where Peel's kind of explaining. So that was the that was in the screenplay in the original version of the movie was him getting arrested, Chris getting arrested. That's how he sold it. He pitched it. He said that's why Daniel Kouye decided agreed to be in it is because of the original ending. It was like, yeah, let's do that. Let's show let's show all these people how fucking scary it is to you know be a black person. And that's what they filmed. They test screened it, and people hated it. They like there was a lot of like backlash on it. And he said he changed it basically because it was at the end of the Obama era. This movie comes out 2017, right? So yeah. Trump Trump's in office at this point. And he said he changed it because like the idea of like showing this scary, you know, terrifying racism wasn't like like it wasn't um tongue-in-cheek anymore it was like too real he's like so I, we, we have to change it because this is going to be too dark for people and so it was really apparently according to him it was because of trump being elected and sort of a shift in our culture in terms of how you know openly racist people can be which i think is pretty true but that's just well, me. It's, it's not even the open races because that that's part of it because these people are obvious monsters but the way that everybody is complicit is why the satire is so but sound because he, he like said the, he the, conceived this because obama's in office and there's this idea that like oh racism's over right correct. we elected a black person there's no more racism and he's like yes there is it's just under under their skin it's underneath and let's make a movie about it but like once trump comes things are different and that according to him that's what he said well, no, and that makes sense because the target of this is a lot of – so like the evil family, I don't doubt that they vote Democrat. Bradley Whitford said, I voted for Obama twice, best president of my lifetime. Would have voted I for the third, yeah. Yeah, I believe him. I don't think he's lying. I think he really likes Obama. He's a guy who at least ostensibly believes in equality and justice or whatever, but the ability to exploit that black people works for him, uh, you know, his nefarious goals – and we're all implicit. It's not just a bunch of KKK members in the South somewhere burning crosses. This is, it's way deeper and more problematic than that. And that's where it lands. And it is something that you want directed at self-satisfied liberals who think, hey, we're good. It's great. We're done. Um, people that just think, hey, that's that's where it works. But I'm also glad he changed the ending because if he'd gone with the darker ending, it probably wouldn't have been such a hit. Because this movie did well financially. Gigantic. And screenwriting credit. If it's a lot darker, I just don't think it jives with audiences quite so well. And, uh, you know, maybe it doesn't make some money and maybe he doesn't get enough enough creative freedom to do more stuff going cost, on. Cost 4.5, made uh, 124 in the U.S. and 155 million worldwide on a $4.5 million budget. Like that is yeah. an insane like profit for yeah, that's, this movie. That's great. Yeah, that, that buys you a lot of cachet with the uh, – rich Hollywood producers um, and gives you a lot of freedom to do other stuff and have more budgets and make better choices. Uh, by better, I mean more choices that you want to make and are constrained by some obnoxious producer who doesn't actually share your artistic vision. Um, and I just don't think it would have made that much money if it had the darker ending. Um, I mean, it would have stung more, it would have hit even harder, but I don't think it makes $150 million if people leave the theater just that bummed. And I'm glad we get to see the evil family die regardless because they're pretty vile. And a lot of great performances, too, by Bradley Whitford, the dad, Catherine Keener. Just fantastic. 
all all the I mean, Lakeith is great. Uh, just doing the dance of, of having to, I guess you'd call it code switching, right? Is the term like, but they're playing two different characters there. They have to play these one guy. It's a black man, a young black man who has to play a very old dorky white guy. Uh, one of a line cop class first rated. And he has to just land these ridiculous lines. Um, and it's also, you see these black people have their blackness, subsumed or zapped away in service of white people and well, all the things that make them their, their unique lived experience go away to conform to this broader white capitalistic paradigm anyway sorry no, i was just gonna say you talk about good performances the the woman that plays the grandmother that uh, you know her body was swapped where she's like no 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 and then she starts crying like tear comes down while, while her face is like forcing a smile it's it's incredible that you you know what scene i'm talking about if you've seen the movie but yeah uh, when he implies that yeah like he oh, unplugged his phone or whatever yeah well yeah, he's like you got to deal with these white people that stinks and she's no 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 it's not yeah oh no it's just fantastic but i mean daniel couillet like oscar oh, winner now just one he won best best actor what last oscars two, two oscars correct ago, last, no last oscar last february so the my one right it was two ago no it was two it was the covid one it was the first covid one God, okay. okay so not uh, just one. my my experience with him was he was in a black mirror episode i don't know if you remember it one of the first the one where they're on the the bikes where they have to keep biking to get energy and then they get awards for biking more i don't know maybe i haven't right. seen that one i've only seen a few black mirror episodes they they're a tough watch oh um, yeah the, it's, they're it's great tough. but they're a tough watch but, but, but he's I'm, incredible in that episode and he's super english like he is an english dude he's a british guy yeah british he's, man and that's so who he is when i saw this life. movie i was like where have i seen this guy before because that was basically that and then this. I think he got this role because of the Black Mirror episode. And then I, I remember after I saw it, I looked it up. I was like, oh, that's the guy from Black Mirror. And I was like, wait, is he English or is he American? Like, I, I couldn't, my mind couldn't wrap my head around which one he was. Because both of the accents were, it's like, was he faking an English accent? Yeah, he's faking one of them. He's not. He's, one, right. of them's not one of them is not legit. And then when I found out that he's actually British, I was like, wow, I was totally blown away. It honestly like blew my mind. That in this movie, rewatching it again, there's some the accent slips in every once in a while, but it's it's really well done for a guy who's like what 23 or 24 when he made this movie. No, and he emotes very effectively, like very subtly, because the character he's playing, Chris, very much try like the character, not not the actor. The character tries not to be overtly emotional. He tries to be blank and neutral all the time, um, but then just the subtle ways, the little bits of emotion come in, and then the part where he's reliving the trauma of his mother's death is just like, and he's getting broken down psychologically. It's, yeah. The sunken place scene is in, incredible stuff. Like it's, it's great. Yeah. Like, oh, couldn't be any better. And it's just a little, little micro expressions, just like a little eye roll, a little, you know, cheek twitch, you know, it's not much to kind of convey a little bit how he really feels. Um, it's just great. Uh, no, and then, right. and then, so Allison Williams plays Rose, right? I have no like relationship with her. She was in a show called Girls. I've never my, seen. My it. wife watched Girls okay. a lot, so I, I didn't. I didn't watch that show with any regularity, but it was on TV a lot in my house for a few years. Um, so I was vaguely aware of her character on there, and um, it's it's a much more sinister version of the character she played in Girls. Um, I mean, obviously, but, but she hasn't been in anything since, right? Like. Since Get Out, she—I mean, she's amazing in this. She's really amazing in this movie. 
I'd have to look, but yeah, I haven't seen her in anything, but she's certainly she's done some stuff, but I don't know. Um, nothing I've watched. I figured she'd pop up in a Marvel movie or something, but nope, nothing. Maybe. I don't know. Um, no, it was, everybody's great uh, in, in the movie. There's, I mean, not a single bad performance anywhere. So the, the other thing, oh, yeah, those, yeah, no, performances are great. It. Other thing I was going to mention, the, the music is really good. Like, when the movie starts, there's sort What's of a... What's that song? The, the, chocolate flavored airplane loves Kool-Aid. What's that song? Oh, that's um, Childish Gambino, Redbone. Redbone, there we go. Because I, I heard that, I was like, oh my god, that song was song. everywhere. Oh, yeah. it's, it's a fantastic song. It brought me back. It's like, oh man, I, that song. Donald was, Glover. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All over the place in 27 is like that song was constantly on the radio, and it's a great song. I'm not complaining. It puts I love you in a time and place. Like it, it, it really, exactly. when you rewatch, you're like, oh yeah, that's 2017 or whatever. Exactly. I, I don't think about a lot of more recent music like that, but it was like, oh yeah, that brought me back a few yeah. years ago. It was instant. I was like, but oh, not yeah. just not just that song. So the, where there there's the scene where they're driving to the house, and there's this like weird, creepy like. I don't know even how to describe the music, but it's super creepy, and it, it, it's it's yeah, it's vaguely like goth. It's not quite gospel, but it's there's something about it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and I think that's really great. But the, also that scene that I, I I looked this up because I was like, what does that look like? The the text scroll because it's weird. It's like this sort of sky blue font, and it's weird like Times New Roman. It looks it looks odd. It's the exact same font and color from The Shining. The scene in The Shining where he's driving up to the Overlook Motel, it, and it plays all the the oh, intro characters, exact same text. I, like, I bet John Peel has seen The Shining a bunch, and that's probably a there's also reference. yeah, and there's also some other subtle references. I guess like when in the beginning when Lakeith Sanfield gets kidnapped, he says something like, "Man, it's like a fucking hedge maze over here," which is oh, obviously yeah. an, an allude to that. Um, and then, like, when they get to the house, there's, like, this tour of the house, which is where you kind of get set to what this house looks like, the kind of shape and design of it. And then The Shining, too, when he goes to the motel, they show you – he shows you where everything is. So um, kind of those subtle Shining vibes to it, which I thought was, oh, yeah. I thought was cool. No, it's great. It, definitely the, the house – now that you're saying that, that's – I mean, what is The Shining? The Trapped at the Overlook Hotel. He's trapped in this house um until the very very end you know that it becomes a a prison much like the overlook hotel in the shining is that makes a ton of sense okay didn't think about that but that's absolutely correct so um, i guess the one one last sort of question i had is you mentioned the sydney poitier movie can you think of another movie that like addresses sort of not not necessarily just racism but like racial dynamics better than this i can't i mean in a modern way I can't think of an, well, another movie that's. If you add the modern way qualifier, I mean, do the right thing. Sure, uh, do is the right thing. It really yep. does show how racial tensions can escalate over sure. time. Like you see where they are now, and then conditions coalesce to just cause them to explode. I thought um, of like higher learning. Do you remember higher learning? That's probably uh, a worse version of that. I, I don't know. Like, I don't think I've heard. There's of like learning. Nazis, and it's on a college campus. It's it's about racial conflict, but more more like overt, obviously. Yeah, I mean, American History X is a very different sure. movie because it's just a, it's overtly about hate in a particular way. This is this is really attacking the finer and more subtle points of racism um, in a way that not even do the right thing really does. Um, 
so it's it's really unique, but it shows the way that yeah, it, that Reese was is not always this big, scary, awful people in masks saying object like overtly racist things. It, it works in a lot of different ways. There aren't many that do it like this and this well, and and in a way that's just frankly entertaining too. I mean, this is the thing. It, it we were talking a lot about the racial metaphors of this movie and and the perspective, and they're important, but it's it's a super entertaining movie. This isn't just right characters talking and breaking it down this movie that that makes them come to the surface and yeah as you mentioned earlier it makes you really feel what he feels but you yeah you're, you're right though. in a way that's real if it was just literally guy goes to his girlfriend's house shit gets crazy and they're they're taking people's brains out and he's got to kill them and get away like that's look what that, like, that's what happens in the movie that that is done so well just like that slasher kind of yeah, the thriller aspect, aspect of fun, yeah. even if you're like i don't care about racism right, i mean right. you sh- probably should but even if you didn't you know you're gonna have an entertaining time right absolutely. you can say i don't care it's just weirdos stealing brains um but the second time well i mean you see the race the way racism works the first time but the second time it was just boom it it, it, it really hits even harder because it all ties together even, even better you start noticing the other secondary aspects of the movie other than the just here's the main thriller um and yeah, I, 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 won't play, I wish Catherine Keener's death was more grotesque and he probably couldn't make it. He, I mean, you got to control how much blood and gore you have and this kind of stuff. I wanted her to have a worse death. <clears throat> that, that bummed me out. We didn't really even see it. It's kind of like he stabs her and then she's off screen really, really quick. Um, I wanted, I wanted something more. I wanted to linger on her face as a, I don't know. She's the one part of the movie I think is maybe the weak point, and you know, my we have talked about Catherine Keener before, like where she rolls a joint and uh, she's uh, being being John Malkovich. Like I, I got, I got a big, uh, big heart for Catherine Keener. Oh, you said heart. I thought you said heart. Heart. Okay. Um, you had a big something for her. Okay. But but she's, I, I don't. Something about her in this movie is not convincing. I think she's the one that gives it away from the beginning. Like, okay, she's going to fuck with this guy. Like, I think from the very beginning, there, there isn't any like hiding it from her. So maybe that's the way he wanted the character to be. I don't know. It's, oh, you think she's being too overtly evil? Oh, I, I don't know. Yeah. Cause right from the get out, get go where there's, where they're having the tea and they're talking, like she's really grilling him. And maybe that's supposed to be as like, that's what the mom would do. You know, especially you know given the circumstances but i i thought just from the beginning it's like okay she's something wrong with her like she's gonna do something well i don't know he's got anxiety about uh, you know he you know find out in the movie he he's an orphan he was i mean he's 20 26 now he was orphaned when he was 11 just his mom or maybe his dad is just his dad is in the picture i guess we don't know this dad's alive or not we don't know but his mom was taking care of him. His mom was in a car accident. She didn't come home and he didn't call anybody or do anything. He just sat there watching TV and he, you know, has a lot of unresolved guilt about it or whatever, but he's clearly got anxiety about, you know, psychology and mental therapy, like, you know, then there's mom mental- stuff. There's mom stuff going on there too. Sure. Um, so, I mean, it didn't completely give it. I mean, he knew something weird was going on and he didn't, he didn't want somebody in his head and he didn't want, you know, he didn't want to have this mental health counseling. Um, he had hangups about that, but I don't know. I mean, you got, you got to, the plot has to thicken somehow. The tension has to go up and there. It doesn't give the ball away at that point. I mean, we don't know what's happening. All we know is that he's getting, he got hypnotized and he doesn't smoke. Um, it seems more medicine than that, but we don't know. I don't know. 
mean, they, they got to find some way. But yeah, I don't know. I wanted her to die though. I mean, she's she's kind of the worst offender. But and you're also right. Just every little interaction, like. Uh, so Rose has this douchey older brother character who wants to talk about jujitsu and stuff. Um, and he tries to put Chris in a sleeper hold and they tell the older brother character to stop. And it seems like they just think he's being a weird gat, like, you know, they, like it's just weird to host somebody and put him in a like choke hold or whatever, but they just don't want Chris to be damaged. Right. They just don't want his body in bad shape. That'll hurt his value at right. the auction and, and decrease the risk of a successful, you know, brain swap um it's just like well yeah. and even even that same scene where where uh the dad is grilling him on like if you played sports and stuff he's not doing that and it seems racist like okay this black guy i'm gonna ask him about sports that's racist but like really he's just trying to see if he's like physically fit you know and he's strong because that'll obviously again help his upsell value when they auction off his body yeah um yeah, it's really incredible. Uh, I'm running out of ways, Eric, to say how good this movie is. Do you have? Any other? No, no, that was all I had. Do you want to jump over and give your rating? Sure. Yeah. Um, I, my rating's four and a half, and I can't. I can't tell you why. This could be a five star movie. I just, for whatever reason, I'm just not calling it five star. I mean, I guess my only I, nit is that I just, yeah, I wanted Catherine Keener's death to be. I want her to suffer her character to suffer more. Um, but the way everything plays out at, at the end is a little bit of Lil Ray, uh, Lil Rel. He, he provides some comedic relief to alleviate the tension somewhat. Um, I'm, just, I'm glad he saves the day in the end. Um, it would have been a more brutal experience if he weren't in the movie, uh, but it's great. Well, it's having... interesting you talk about comedy because so I knew Jordan Peele from Key and Peele. Like I lo- absolutely oh, yeah. loved that show on Comedy Central. Saw it from the first season, watched every episode. I, I that show cracked me up. There, there's the so many skits you could just watch on YouTube. But like for whatever reason, there's the my favorite skit of that show is the there's like a rapper guy who gets insulted and he's trying to like leave the interview and he, he gets like microphones stuck. He's like, I'm leaving here and he can't get the microphone off and it goes on for like 15 minutes. I, every time I see that, I like, it's literally one of the funniest things I've ever seen. But um, to think that like, I, I remember when I heard there's this horror movie coming out and it's directed by the key and peel guy. I was like, what? I was so like confused. I was like, wait, that guy is making a horror movie. There's no way that's going to be good. That's insane. Why is he not making a comedy? And to think that he's he becomes a sauteur, he's writing and directing these like profoundly amazing horror movies is is crazy, but they aren't really funny. There's I mean there's some quips in there, but it's definitely not a comedy. No, it's, it's just it's, no, I'm definitely not calling it a comedy. It's just you get a little bit of a comedic character to come in and deflate some of the tension a little bit just to to make it not so miserable. I mean it's it's one of those things you just like you do it for the audience mostly, and if you calibrate right, it can help. So you don't lose people because it's too miserable. Um, but yeah, definitely not a comedy at all. But I mean, I did laugh. I mean, T.S. I mean, the first time I saw it, the T.S. motherfucking A. I mean, that made me laugh. But that was a relief at the end of the movie that oh, Chris isn't going to go to jail. Uh, and I, I don't know how he uses T.S.A. powers to find her, but cool. I'm glad he showed up. 
Yeah, so it's five star okay. for me. I, I give sure. it five star. I, I can't find really anything to criticize. Uh, you know, I mentioned the Catherine Keener. That's a minor thing. Like, I still think it's an amazing movie. And, you know, is it the best movie about racial dynamics between white and black people? Maybe. Like, you could make the argument. Is it the best, like, psychological horror movie? Maybe. I don't know. It's up there. It's in the pantheon for me. Um, you know, and, and best screenplays of the last 20 years? Yeah, for sure. What's I mean, I can't think of Social Network might be in that group, but th- that this is an, an original story completely made up from one guy's mind is profoundly amazing like it's and we don't get movies like this ever like the the original i'm bumping it up to a five star all right wow i pulled some mind trick on you maybe i need to get the teacup out here and and you can ben it's a five star go to the sun it worked i don't know i was was like i don't really couldn't really find a meaningful justification why i'm not going five i think yeah i don't think there's a real meaningful flaw in the movie it's funny because he kind of, you know, there's like the Ari Aster, the guy that made Hereditary and um, a Midsommar. And then there's the guy that Robert Eggers, who made Northman now, but uh, he put out um, The Witch and then The Lighthouse. Like, right. Peel's, the, all three of those guys put out a movie every year the same year. Like, because yeah, Peel's gotta, putting out a new, new crop of our tours, sure. And it's pretty cool to see what these three guys will make, you know, going forward is going to be awesome. So I'm. Um, Definitely excited for that. Uh, okay. Five Degrees Field Dreams. If this is your first time listening to this, we just connect this movie, get out to Field Dreams, which I, I got to say, I'm going. I'm going to Dyersville a week from tomorrow. I will be there. So I'm going to take some pictures, put them on Twitter. So I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm going to the Mecca. In two weeks. Should we meet up? Let's do it. Should find a way to have some beers in Dyersville? Let's I, I do it. I don't know if I can get away. Um, that sounds like a lot of fun. So I, I got to show my kids Field Dreams. They haven't seen it yet. So we got to watch that. I've never been myself. So, oh, the movie. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, they're going to see. They're going to touch holy ground. I'm going to get a little a little sand, put it in a baggie. Do you have baseball gloves for them so that they can have a catch with their dad? Uh, I don't know if we have baseball. I'll have to. I'll I'll buy some. <laughs> we okay. gotta have a catch. Yeah. Gotta have. You a want catch that to be on the memory log that you had? They had a catch with their dad on the field of dreams. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um. So yeah. So five degrees field dreams. I can start. Sure. Um. So get out has Stephen Root in it. I mentioned. I love Stephen Root. Uh, he's he great in that. He's he's in a movie called Empty Man. Which is I'm I'm gonna give a huge recommendation for this movie. It's it's a horror movie. It's um, a little bit like Candyman, uh, in in that same sort of vein where they like summon this thing that kills people by saying his name. Um, okay, I think I saw a trailer for this once. I only have vague memory of saying people like Empty Man, Empty Man, Empty Man, and then they get possessed empty or something. Man. Yep. Empty Man, Empty Man. It, it's good. It's I I recommend it. It's a good movie. Uh, that movie stars a guy okay. named James Badgedale. He's the like the lead in that movie. He's in World War Z, okay. which I liked. First I like time that. I've ever heard that name. James okay. Badgedale. That's a movie I've not thought about for a long time. Yeah. Oh, World War Z, you mean? No, James Badgedale. I've never heard that name before. World War Z is a movie I've not thought about for a long time. Uh, so James Badgedale was also in The Departed. He was like the what like one of the last cops to get killed. 
that might be a way you would know him. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh, undercover ones? Yeah, know. he's one of the. He's one is of. He's the guy that says, "Are you a cop?" Is he one of those guys? No. He, he, so when Leo gets killed, he's like the next guy that he's the guy that kills Leo. Actually, he's the guy that shoots Leo. And then he gets shot in the elevator. Oh, so he shows up as a cop. Yep. Working for Jack Nicholson's character, right? Yep. yep. Then shoots a, then shoots Leo. Okay. Got That's it. James a... Badgedale. Okay. Anyways, so he's in Empty Man. He's in World War Z, a movie Ben hasn't thought about in a long time. I like that movie. So I, it was I'll... fine. I saw it at the drive-in at Lake Elmo in uh, a the great place. Of Minnesota. Great place to see that movie. It was fine. It was a totally fine movie. It's not. It's it's fine. World Z is totally fine. I read the book. It's it, I, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, I'm zombied out. I've been zombied out for a long oh, time. I, I will never be zombied out. They're uh, just not that interesting. David, is it Morris? Morrissey? Uh, the guy from The Rock. Uh, he was in Green Mile. He was in Contact. He was, uh, what's her name's dad in Contact at the end? I think it's Morse. David Morrissey? Morse? You have to give me more of like what they're they're. I've I've never seen Contact. I haven't seen Green Mile in a long time. You have to give me more of what uh, what the uh, role was. In Green the, Mile. the Rock. Have you seen The Rock? The movie. Not the since Rock. I was a teenager. Um, Jesus. Yeah, those are kind of the big ones that he's in. Sorry, but what, what, who does he play in the Green Mile? He's one of the guards. Oh, is he like kind of Tom Hanks' right hand man? Yeah. Yep. That guy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 I know you're talking about now. Um. He's in a movie called Yellow. I've never seen it. Um, but that movie also has dearly departed Ray Liotta, sadly, no yeah. longer with us. I know. And Ray Liotta's in Field of Dreams. So okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say a prayer for Ray Liotta while I'm there. Like see if he'll come out of the come out of the corn sure. stalks. See if is it is he Shoeless Joe? See if Shoeless Joe Shoeless wants Joe, to yeah. come out and relive the Black Sox scandal. Um all right, yours is way more fun than mine. Um, I, I was struggling. Um, nobody cares, but I just had a kid, so my brain's kind of trash. Um, but I, I, I we I care. Brett. Everybody cares. Ben just had a kid. He's got a baby. Everybody send him a note on Twitter saying congratulations, Ben. And, uh, yeah, okay. Um, a beautiful baby girl. So I want to highlight Bradley Whitford, who I first. I'm, this isn't my movie, but my first encounter with Bradley Whitford was as the the douchey corporate guy in Billy Madison. Um. That, that was the first time I heard that guy's name. Um, he's in a lot of stuff, uh, kind of usually on the side. West but Wing is one, where I, uh, that's how I know him. I've never seen West Wing. Oh, uh, you've got to, dude, stop what you're doing to watch. What, you've never the, seen an episode of West Wing? I've I maybe seen bits and pieces of an episode, but I've never watched the show with any, I don't care. Please do that. You'll enjoy it. I don't it. need to see politic porn. I don't need to see politics as people <laughs> wish it actually were. Um, if that era ever existed in the U.S., that era is long gone. Um, that is not how politics works these days, buddy. That, that you love the West Wing probably tells me something about you, Eric, and how you think the world works. Um, anyway, that's so that's fascinating. Incredible I show. I can't believe that. This is crazy. Anyway, I, I was getting Bradley Whitford to Cabin in the Woods, another great horror movie. Yeah. I've not seen since the theater a decade ago. Loved that movie. Um, that the Joss just, Whedon of it all doesn't uh, hasn't aged well, but well, jo- yeah, well, Joss Whedon is his own thing, but. I don't know. I mean, that, that movie's pretty subversive about how horror works and mechanics of the horror genre in a way that's really, really and it's really, really fun at the same time. Um, but then Chris Hemsworth, Thor himself, is is in that movie. He's in uh, 
Star Trek, the very first of the Abrams reboot in 2009 with Chris Pine. And Chris Pine is in Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit with Kevin Costner, who's the lead of Field of Dreams. And I have to give a big shout out to Eric for a massive assist on finishing my journey today on that five degrees of Jack Ryan colon Shadow Recruit. I, I've never. Have you seen that movie, Eric? Uh, I, I definitely have, for sure. I've seen that movie. Was uh, how how much better did it make your life having seen it? <laughs> Zero uh, percent better from having seen that. What what's, what they do to Chris Pine? Why was that like? What whoever was his agent just screwed up that guy's career? Why he was never like a big star? They tried. I mean, it just didn't land. He's the he best this... Chris. He's the best of the Chris's. Like, why is why does Chris Pratt have more jobs than Chris Pine? That's crazy. Chris Pine is such a better actor. You think he's better than Chris Hemsworth and Chris Pratt? Well, he can't do Hemsworth because Hemsworth is just a big giant. Like, Chris Pine couldn't be Thor. That wouldn't work. That's true. That's true. But Chris Uh, Hemsworth hasn't done anything other than that, really. They're forcing – he's in a lot of stuff. Uh, My wife watched this movie on Netflix called – Spiderhead or something like that. Yeah, I know it's it's trending a lot. I yeah. haven't seen it. I don't care. But is he any good in it? No, her criticism was like he's not a good actor. Like, why is he trying to act? Like, no, he's just he can kind of he kind of hit some comedy beats. That's kind of what his skill set is. That's action comedy. Chris. He should just do action comedy and just that's okay. That's okay. That's what you do. You don't well, need that's to what do Chris Pratt does as well. Do you see Chris Pine doesn't do comedy as well as. Either of those other two, I don't think. And I don't think any of them are great no, actors. No, but he could be Harrison Ford. I mean, Chris Pine could be Harrison Ford. He's not nearly gruff and curmudgeonly enough for that. Hell or um, High Water? You don't think he's incredible? Okay, Hell, okay so there you go. No, I, I will take that. that Hell and High Water, he is great in. I agree. Hell and High Water was great. It's amazing in that movie. That, that was a great one. Okay, I totally forgot about that movie. But yeah, okay, I love that one. But still, I don't know that any of these dudes have a ton of range. You know, I don't think I, he was in a bunch of action movies and he just never landed. I don't think they made money. I don't think, you know, he does a pretty good Kirk impression, which is why he got the gig, maybe in part. He, he kind of works as James T. Kirk, but I don't know. I mean, we are, these are, none of these are going to be the best actors of all time. None of them are going to be all time greats. You know, I don't think, maybe you disagree. Maybe you think they've got more in the tank. Pine's the only one that I think could, could do like a really serious drama. And pull it off. Maybe. I mean, I guess I'll, I'll wait to be shocked by that if that's the case. Um, I'm not totally I mean, persuaded. Wonder Woman 84, that was like atrocious. That was offensively he's bad. He's fine in Wonder Woman, right? I mean, he's getting roles. He's the. Oh, he's cashing checks for sure. Like, he's making money, but he's in stupid he's, movies. He's just being a handsome man, Hollywood handsome man. That's whatever. Fine. I mean, I'm. <laughs> I'm never getting those roles, so you can go to somebody. I, they um, should go to you. I'd rather see you as James T. Kirk than uh, yeah, I'll, yeah. I, I'm a real raw sexual charisma. Definitely, I'll definitely get butts and seats for sure. You like and you and Shatner, both Iowa Iowa kids. You know, I, I guess I don't know, but all right, Eric. It's been a long time. I'm excited to pick a movie. I, I waffled between two choices today. Um, I think I've got it narrowed down to two. Or narrowed down to one. I'm giving you two clues. So I'm doing. I'm, I'm shortchanging the hints today. So this movie won the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature for the year of 2002. In the year, two, so the movie came out in 2002. So we're doing an animated movie. 
It's an animated movie. Yep. That's and so it's, it came out in 2001. You said. No, I said it came out in 2002. One it in oh. 2003 for the year 2002. Boy, my mind goes to is it Miyazaki? Miyazaki? Is it? Hayao uh, Miyazaki. Miyazaki. Hayao Miyazaki is the director. That was hint number two. So you're gonna be close. Uh, Spirited Away. Yes. That's it. You know, I've never seen this movie. I haven't either. What I've been saving, it's a lot of people consider it his best. Um, I love a lot of his other I've movies. I've seen Princess Mononoke. Me too. I've seen Ponyo, Ponyo. Ponyo, yeah, Ponyo. As uh, have I. I've seen what's the the My Neighbor Totoro. Totoro, My Neighbor Totoro. That's big in our house. We've got a little. Yeah, we watched we watched a bunch of those right at the beginning of COVID with the kids. They like they like Ponyo a lot. That was the one they liked a lot. Um, there's other ones too. They get a little darker. Nanashka, Valley of the Winds, about this like teenager who's trying. Anyway, there's like a post-nuclear holocaust. It's really, really great. Castle in the Sky is my favorite currently. Howl's Moving Castle. Um, Japanese director. I got. Um, I got to give a shot. My my older brother Peter, who was on our episode for um, the Last Lost Dragon. Dragon loves his films. He's got all the Blu-rays. Huge fan of of the. Studio Ghibli, Gimli, Studio Gimli. Uh, it's Ghibli is how I would say it. But that Ghibli. might not be. It's like G, Gib, It could be Ghibli. Ghibli. G H I B L I. Big fan of those movies, yeah. Yeah, and there's a bunch that aren't Miyazaki directed, but it's you know his company or studio that made them. There's some other other ones there too. Porco Rosso is another one he does really good. I've I've been saving Spirited Away for a long time. I've never seen it just because I think I'm probably gonna love it, and I just haven't pulled the trigger, and I just think it's time. Um, and it's one I probably can watch with. My oldest next week, so I think we'll try and watch it. Um, I think it's gonna have some weird stuff in it, but I think, uh, yeah, this time so that's why. Awesome. So sorry, to, sorry to make you watch an animated movie, Eric. I'm sorry. I know you think it's for children, and it's pathetic that a grown man would watch it. Um, you know, a man who's almost, you know, 40. that's a little reductive summary of what I think of animated movies. But I generally, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of animated films. I, I, that's true. That's accurate. But these are considered he's considered one of the best animators of all time. We'll take a crack at Spirit Away, and you know, if you don't like it, you can take it up with Peter. Um, who can give you an earful about your bad taste. All right. Well, thanks again for listening, everybody. We we really do appreciate any of anybody listening. If you have any feedback, hit us up on the website, hit us up on Twitter. Any suggestions? Should we open it up? If, if there's any movies people really want us oh to do. Oh my gosh, yes. If people think, hey, we want to hear you want to hear us talk about something, let us know. Are you kidding me? You think we'll hate it? That's fine. We haven't done too many movies that we hate. Um, yeah, let us know. But yeah, any any loyal listeners out there, we really appreciate it. We, we've had listeners from India, the United Kingdom, from south america like we we're getting all over the globe australia so anybody out oh, there in twitter we, we, or podcast land you know how many continents do we have left so we've got we've got asia we've got europe we've got south we need we need africa so we need, we need uh, yeah, i don't think we've quite crossed over to africa yet and we gotta get a penguin to listen to us in antarctica somewhere we, um, we have Canada. Canada's close enough, right? We've had some Canadian listeners. Antarctica's the other direction, buddy. Um, well, if you keep going, right? It's the globe, right? Don't my point go. is, though, Canada, you're getting, once you get to Canada, you're getting about as far as you can from the South Pole. It's a globe, right? So if you're at the North Pole, you're as far away from the South Pole as you can possibly be, regardless yeah. of which route you take. I, 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I don't think I'm saying anything controversial. I mean, it's just some geography nerd wants to tell me I'm wrong. That's fine. Well, go see Nope, too, if Nope's out when this episode airs. Check that movie out. I, I'm excited for that. And, oh, uh, yeah. And we'll watch Spirited Away and talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Take it easy.